You are listening to The Potato Podcast, presented by Columbia Media Group. On today's episode, Dave rejoins Kasha Dolman. She is with the University of Idaho. They discuss her current research and updates from the last time she was on the podcast. This episode is sponsored by Syngenta Elatis. Protect the perimeter of your potato crop with Elatis fungicide from Syngenta. When applied in furrow at planting, Elatis controls rhizoctonia and suppresses verticillium wilt, giving your potatoes long-lasting protection during early development. Talk to your local Syngenta retailer about Elatis. Always read and follow label instructions. Please check with your local extension service to ensure registration status. Syngenta supports a FIFRA 2EE recommendation for suppression of verticillium wilt on potatoes in certain states. All right. Hello again, listeners. This is Dave Alexander with uh, the Potato Podcast. And today we are welcoming back a, a guest that we've had on before. Kasha Dulman is with the University of Idaho, and we're happy to have her back today. Hello, Kasha. How are you? Hi, Dave. It's great to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having me again. Well, we're doing this um, just for a little ambiance. We're in a coffee shop in Idaho Falls, which is where um, Kasha's office is based out of. Um, okay, so today we're going to be talking about a new project coming up this summer that uh, aphid monitoring. So, Kasha, tell us about it. Well, thanks, thanks for giving me the chance to talk about it. It's one of my pet projects. Um, we are uh, hoping to revive an aphid monitoring network that had been in place in southern Idaho for many, many years in the past. And since about 2003 or four, somewhere in there, it started to kind of fall into... Um, little bit of disuse and it's been maintained as best as it can by uh, an entity called the Idaho Crop Improvement Association and they service four of these tall suction traps that used to be working for uh, many decades and they they um, have been servicing these uh, as best they can to a very limited extent and so my hope is for the university to kind of do this heavy lift and get it revived again so that it can provide you know more meaningful information for potato growers and others so what um, what are those traps are there explain the physical how they work well, there's different types of traps that can be used for monitoring aphids, and um, one of the traps that um, has been used are these uh, traps that are called suction traps, and they just, um, there's they're, uh, lo- these tubes that stick up in the air, and they have like a fan that will suck air into this, um, into the opening, and it will, um, if you stick it high enough, you can suck aphids in um, that are traveling, you know, up in the higher um, realms, and It'll suck in the aphids to see which ones are are flying around. And another type of trap, which we'll actually be using as well, is what we call a bucket trap. It's just a five-gallon bucket. Um, the yellow ones work really well. Uh, the yellow is seems to be particularly attractive to aphids and other critters. So you fill these buckets with uh, water and a little bit of um, of a preservative, just so the bugs don't get gross after a week. And then once a week, we'll come and collect the bugs from these 
these bucket traps and the suction traps, uh, and then we'll take them back to our lab where we'll identify what species are there. So the collection process sounds pretty low-tech, really. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very <laughs> low-tech. Low low and even these suction traps, which sound really high-tech, um, can be fairly easily, um, you can find parts for them and, and um, build your own based on some basic parts. Um, so we might be implementing some of those, too. So there's a type of suction trap that's different from the really tall ones that uh, were in place for this network that Idaho had. It's a more portable suction trap that, that we can build ourselves. We have the plans in my office somewhere um, in a parts list. So we'll start building a couple of those potentially um, to see if they work better than the high suction traps or the bucket traps. We want to know which traps work best. Um, which ones collect the best information that can be used by growers. Okay, so you folks will be collecting uh, the samples and then testing them, and, and then what's the process from there? So what we want to do is we want to, once a week, we'll, monitor, we'll um, collect what's collected in these traps. The buck, in this case, this summer, it'll be the tall suction traps, four of them, and then um, several different... Um, locations for these yellow bucket traps. So once a week we'll collect the contents, we'll take them back to our lab, and this summer um, we'll essentially be training uh, ourselves on aphid identification. And we, we're using, we're partnering with entomologists like um, Andy Jensen, who is the research coordinator for the um, Consortium of Potato Commissions. And we are also partnering with Eric Weniger, who is our entomologist at the University of Idaho. So they'll help us with our identification and train us over the summer so that um, my team in Idaho Falls will have that expertise. It'll just facilitate um, servicing this network. much. It'll make it much easier. So the end game then, you'll, once you have the results, uh, how, will, how will you get this information? Or are you going to give uh, recommendations on spraying and when to spray so right what the whole the, the so what is the purpose of the network is the question right, right? Exactly. why why are we doing yes. all of this work because because it's a heavy lift and it's really laborious and really tedious and probably painful and i'm I sure all those buckets around well and not only that but just the sitting at the microscope identifying all the species that are there tedious. so i feel my heart goes out to my to my team members who will be doing this um, it's, it's a it's a really really heavy lift, uh, but the reason why understanding these aphid flights when aphids are moving is important is because for uh, certain crops like potatoes and small grains there are viruses that affect the plant. They don't hurt us as human beings, but they can hurt the plant. And many of these viruses can be moved by insects such as aphids. Aphids are uh, different. Aphids are vectors of these plant viruses. They'll move the virus from a healthy plant to, I mean, some, from an infected plant to a healthy plant as they're moving around trying to find a suitable host. So for potatoes in particular, the virus that we're concerned about right now is a, a virus called potato virus Y. I know it's a creative name. I mean, we're just known for that. PVY. So we call it PVY. Uh, we couldn't think of a better name, I guess. But anyway, um, this virus is moved around um, from infected plants to healthy plants. And if you have too much PVY, and if you're a seed grower, then you, your, the seed that you're growing might not qualify 
for recertification, which can cost dearly. It can uh, create quite a loss for the grower. So, um, so we want to find a way to predict these flights. When are these aphids moving? When are they most likely going to be moving PVY? And insecticides don't necessarily work very well by themselves for managing PVY because one thought is, well, can't you just kill the aphids and stop it from moving this virus? For a virus like PVY, insecticides don't really work that well, but they can help. And if you time them right, they can have a better impact than if you don't time them right. If you're just spraying willy-nilly, then A, you're spending lots of money on useless applications, you're probably, B, you're probably um, contributing to potential development of resistance in the insecticide, in, in insect populations. Um, and C, I mean, it's just not a wise business practice to spray when you don't need to. Right. So our hope is that we can help refine any spray applications that are made so that they're timed better, so that there's fewer of these applications, they're more targeted, and, um, and if we can predict when these flights are occurring of the species that are important in Idaho, um, which is something we hope to learn from this project, then, you know, we hopefully will save the grower a little money on their bottom line, help them minimize in-season movement uh, of PVY. Um, So that's the main reasons why the driver for for trying to revive and revitalize this uh, aphid monitoring network. Okay. So since it's just in its infancy... I mean, really hasn't even started yet. Um, you'll be firing it up this summer. Do you, do you expect to have anything, any results and any, any concrete help for growers oh, after yeah. this year? Absolutely. During and this year? Yeah. We, so the primary goal of this year is to get trained to make the identifications. But the information that we'll also be garnering is um, when flights are occurring. So we'll be providing that information in terms of, like, numbers of aphids. Every week, uh, and which is already being done currently, but we'll help assist that and facilitate that to get that information out in a more timely manner. So on a weekly basis, a report will be sent out um, to the seed potato growers and whoever else is interested on the numbers of aphids that we're finding. And then as we learn our, uh, as our identification skills get better, we can start providing more information on what is, um, what's in that mix. And then the other component that we want to add this year, and this is with my uh, collaborator, my colleague James Woodall over in Parma, we want to test these aphids to see if they're carrying the virus, potato virus Y. And in the future, we can broaden this to see if they're carrying viruses like barley yellow dwarf virus, which goes to wheat and barley. Um, So we want to see if these aphids are carrying PVY, and I think we in the... That information, along with what species are flying around and when they're flying around, all three of those bits of information, I think, will be helpful in refining um, this aphid monitoring network for specifically for PVY management. But down the road, we hope to broaden it for managing other viruses, too. Okay, so you mentioned um, you're going to be sending the information to seed growers. How does someone sign up to get the, re- the results, the weekly the weekly broadcast. So this summer, um, the, it'll be a very low-tech, uh, just an email list that I'll be emailing the weekly updates to. So if people wanted to get on that list, uh, they're more than welcome to um, send me an email, and I will add them to that list. So right now it's very manual, low-tech. 
and I can give you that information later if you want it. Well, and what we'll do is we'll we'll put a link um, to your email address on the podcast uh, page. Okay, perfect. So if people are interested, they can click on that link, send me an email. I'll add you to the mailing list. In the future, we hope to develop or tie it in with a um, web page that will also provide information on not just on aphids that are flying around and the timing of those aphids, but also on the um, the uh, spores of pathogens that can attack plants as well. These airborne spores. So we're hoping to marry the two and get them on both bits of information on uh, the same website. So I, the reference I just made was for this spore trap network that we have in place. Yes, well, I wanted to get a, um, I wanted to get an update on that from you actually. That that started last year, um, but first off, uh, before we move on to that subject, we want to uh, talk about the funding a little bit. You've you've gotten some funding from the Idaho Potato Commission for the new aphid monitoring network. Yes, unofficially, I've gotten word that the proposal I submitted last fall for this project will likely be funded. I won't hear with certainty until um, a couple a week or so, um, but I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. Um, this will help give us um, that initial um, information that we need in order to leverage it for maybe getting some bigger grants to look at this. Um, and then the, the other exciting component of this is, which I'm really excited about, is we have all this historical data spanning from 1985 to 2003 when Idaho had this robust um, aphid monitoring network across the state. And I, I'm really curious to see how patterns and trends of these aphid species and timing of these flights, how those may have changed um, back then versus today, I think that's really uh, an exciting, powerful bit of data that we might be able to garner from this too. See what the aphids have been up to in all this time. Yeah, I mean, figure yeah. out their patterns and yeah. Yeah, which is why we have entomologists on board. I'm not an entomologist, so we partner with people to fill in our skill gaps. So, so it's a, it's an exciting project, and uh, we're looking forward to helping you get the word out on it and seeing some results. Um, so we we talked real briefly. We mentioned um, the spore trapping network, and that was our um, topic of a previous podcast with Kasha. What give us the update? And what was uh, we we talked about that early last spring? What what was the actual results? And how positive, negative? How did things work out? Well, it looks like with that particular, with our spore trapping network, which is the brainchild of James Woodall, by the way, he's our plant pathologist in Parma, um, that spore trapping network, uh, we had some data over the summer, and then looking at the data, it looked like there was some good um, predicting ability with uh, diseases such as powdery mildew on sugar beet, uh, possibly early blight on potato. We were seeing some good correlations between number of spores that were trapped that cause early blight and then subsequent disease development. And then even though we detected spores for late blight, um, we did not find any late blight last year. And I think the reason is um, we just didn't have the right conditions. Um, we had a lot of sunny days. Well, actually, last summer was fairly cloudy, if I remember, through July. Yeah in the eastern side of the state. But in areas where these detections were made, um, it wasn't necessarily the case. So I think those spores may have been generated from, say, volunteer potatoes or cull piles, or maybe um, you know they could have even been generated from home gardens, tomatoes, for example. We don't really know the source for cert- with certainty. 
but uh, we didn't find that disease at all. So this year, one of the changes we're making is we're adding a spore trap in an area, not in Idaho, that has higher disease pressure for late blight so that we can start um, seeing if there is a connection between detecting the late blight spores and then finding late blight disease. So finding the spores doesn't mean disease is present necessarily, or at least in an alarming way, but... um, but this way, we hope that we can help validate any kind of predicting ability. Um, so that's why we're adding a spore trap in uh, another um, area. And then we'll be adding one or two more spore traps in Idaho itself to um, help fill in gaps. Okay, so it's, it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, be ramping it up this summer and hopefully giving uh, some results out on that as well. Yeah, and we hope to have um, a website, too, that combines the spore trap information with weather data because uh, when you're dealing with plant disease the weather data is an important component if you have the pathogen present but the weather isn't going to necessarily facilitate disease development or promote disease development then you may not have to do anything as a grower Um, but if you have the pathogen present as you know with these spore traps that might note that if you have the pathogen present and the weather is, is right, then you might need to think about being proactive and laying down a protective fungicide on your crop. So it's perfect sense to combine the weather data with the, with the other data. And yeah, and if, we can, and if we can add the aphid information as well. Yes. Uh, and aphid, aphid um, flights, aphid numbers, those also can be influenced by weather as well. Um, you know, and, and so certain species are favored by, you know, warmer, drier conditions. So no, ma- no matter what, it seems like no matter what the weather is, it seems like something's out there trying to get the crop. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you folks are uh, still have a job and will have a job tomorrow. So <laughs> we uh, definitely appreciate the work that uh, the researchers do. And um, anything else you want to um, say today? Um, just I'm grateful to be here. Thank you for letting me talk about what we're doing. I'm excited about it, and I'm excited to find out what we're going to learn this summer. You are always welcome on the Potato Podcast, and uh, we appreciate your time, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Dave. views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only, and it's only those of the podcast participants, contributors, and guests. We do not constitute an endorsement by or necessarily represent the views of Columbia Media Group or its affiliates. <laughs>